I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, Lord God, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please let me cross over and see the good land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and the Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account, and he would not listen to me. Instead, the Lord said to me, enough. Don't speak to me any more about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah, raise your eyes to the west, the north, the south, and the east, and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. Who's talking? God's talking, and Moses is talking. They're having a conversation. Moses started it. We've been talking about his troubles. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about them again. We've, Moses has had enough trouble this year. But this is a conversation. Moses is saying, come on, God, please. Let me go in. Let me go to the land. The answer is, in Hebrew, lo, which means no, which is convenient. It's an easy word to remember. No, God says, no. It's not funny, but it's, it's a, it, this is a funny thought for us. Have you ever felt like God isn't giving you what you want? Have you ever felt that way, like he's not hearing your prayers, or if he is, he's not answering them? Have you ever thought that? Well, Moses didn't. Do you know why? Because God gave him a very, very clear answer. The answer is, no. No, you're not doing it. And you can stop asking. But you see, the problem is for us, we often think God isn't hearing us, that he's not answering us. When often he is. He is answering you. You know what the answer is? No. No, no is an answer. You tell your kids that, right? No. But why? Because I said so. No. But that's not a reason. No. It's a reason. Stop talking to me. No is an answer. You know how I know? Well, because I've heard it a lot. And... Uh, I want to tell you today, I'm going to do it, though, in the form of a history lesson about something we can all relate to. Actually, it's this place that we can all relate to. It's about Shalom Macon, but it wasn't always Shalom Macon. As I've said multiple times, it was formerly Nahamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. Say it with me. Nahamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. Today is Shabbat Nahamu. Who knew? Shabbat Nahamu 2022. Whether you knew it or not, today you're starting to feel better. Do you? Did you know that? Are you really feeling it down deep? Last week, Cody talked on the worst day of the Jewish calendar. That was purposeful. <laughs> no, it wasn't really. But he talked on the worst day, Tisha B'Av, where we're celebrating all these terrible things that happen. And we mourned, if that's part of the tradition that you observe. Sunday, you mourned, you fasted, you had a 24-hour 20. 24-hour fast, 25-hour fast. And then, all of a sudden, guess what? It was very depressing, actually, leading up to that. You have these three weeks, you're reading these horrendously depressing haftorot, plural haftorah, which is the additional reading for the service that goes along with the Torah. 
Haftorah means parting. It's like the additional. And so the prophets, as we're working up to the ninth of Av, this terrible day when all the temples were destroyed and everything, we're reading these bad things. But today we turned a corner. Do you feel it? You probably don't, because you probably don't even know we turned a corner, but we did. Now we're on the upswing. This is Shabbat Nachamu. Comfort, comfort my people. We sang it a bunch of times. You know where it comes from? Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Call out to her that her warfare is ended. Her guilt has been removed. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. The voice of one calling out, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. Let the uneven ground become a plain. Let the rugged and the rugged terrain is a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed in all flesh. We'll see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is Isaiah 40. This is, we turn the corner from Shabbat, this horrible ninth of Av, Shabbat Nachamu, the Shabbat of comfort. We read Isaiah. And now we start making our way into the high holidays. And you're supposed to be consoled. The next seven Haftorah readings are ones of consolation, starting right here with these beautiful words, comfort my people. And it's, it's a big shift from Jeremiah and the destruction of the temple. And ultimately, it takes us after Yom Kippur into the season of rejoicing. Who's excited about Sukkot? I was excited about Sukkot the day after last year Sukkot ended. But this is preparation season. We're reading about all the good stuff God is going to do in the future. And it is this season, 13 years ago, on August 9th, which was last week, uh, but 13 years ago, this congregation was formed. And it was called Nachamu Ami. And I want to tie some pieces together for you, since we're sort of celebrating our anniversary. And on your anniversary, you dress up, so I wore a nice suit for you. <laughs> some have been here for 13 years some have been here for 13 minutes. Uh, you know, so I want to share some history with you as we remember our origin and some insight, of course, about your life. And especially your life when God tells you no. Because it's all part of the story. But 13 years ago, we celebrated Shabbat Nachamu at a different synagogue. 13 years ago, we celebrated Shabbat, or I should say, yeah, 13 years ago. One that my parents had started one in Macon, my parents had started it, and I had served there as the worship leader. One where we had made deep, deep friendships. One where we thought we would be forever. And one that never imagining at that time that this place would exist. Certainly never imagining that I would be standing in this capacity talking to you here in this place that we never imagined would exist. 13 years ago, Shabbat Nachamu at that Messianic congregation, that Shabbat of comfort, was my family's last Shabbat there. After an unfortunate and heartbreaking separation and sort of being run out on a rail, we had to leave. The community that my parents had started that had grown and blossomed, we had to walk out of that place that meant so very much to us. 
And after many prayers of asking God, God, up until that point, we're asking God, will you fix this? Will you make this better? We didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. And, and probably assumed God wasn't listening and wasn't hearing, but he was. He was hearing. God, will you fix this? You know what his answer was? No. I'm not going to fix that. This, he was saying, is not going to get better. But you'll need to trust me. You'll need to trust me. But I'm not going to give you what you want. But you see, we didn't hear that. Because too often in times, when you really want to hear God the most, when you want him to speak clearly to you and tell you, when you're in struggle, what you want to hear to give you the answer that you really need, he is often giving you the answer. It's just not the one you want. It is, no, I'm sorry. That's not the way this is going to work. But you see, even when he's saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to walk. I've got something else. There's another calling. There's a new thing to do. Our fear of pain and hurt and loneliness and the fear of the unknown screams too loud to hear any response from God, yes or no. We just sort of feel abandoned. Anyone ever been there? I'm sure you have. And so 13 years ago on August 9th, the week after Shabbat Nachamu, at this heartbroken, gut-wrenching, terrible experience, one of the worst I've ever had in my life, um, we left that synagogue and the week after, you know, it was the heart of my family, my parents, my wife, my kids, my family, and a small group of others just left. We didn't intend anyone else to leave with us, but they, they, they went too. When the founders of a place leave, it, it tends to have a, it has an effect. But at that moment, that week after Shabbat Nachamu, we took the first step toward what it is that you are a part of today. And the first service of Nahamu Ami Messianic Synagogue was held, though we didn't ever have any intention of starting a synagogue. We certainly didn't have a name at that point. We just got together, but we didn't have anywhere to go. So thank God my dad had some connections. He's fixed a lot of eyeballs in the middle Georgia area, so people like him. And we held this first gathering at a place called Ken's Stereo Junction. Okay? But it wasn't actually Ken's Stereo Junction. That was a completed functioning electronic store. Ken was in the process. Ken Jones, who turns out to have been a real blessing to our community. May his memory be for a blessing. Ken Jones said, not in there, but next door I'm building a new place. It's an old building. We're restoring it. It's going to be called Ken's Music Junction or something like that. It was a music store. But it was under construction. So he said, you can meet in there. So we walk in and there's plywood and sheets and dust and everything. All, it's completely incomplete. It's a construction site, but that's where we met. However, one thing was completed, the entryway. So as you walked into the doors of Ken's Music Junction, on either side were two very large windows. Okay? You could see, 
You walk in, here's these two windows. And you know what was in those two windows on either side? Here and here. Jake and Elwood Blues. <laughs> Do you know who Jake and Elwood Blues are? The Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers were our official first greeters for our first service. Jake and Elwood. But it's appropriate because they said, if you'll remember multiple times in the movie, we're on a mission from God. <laughs> so there were the Blues Brothers, and people were, you know, coming in, and we didn't have much figured out, and we didn't really care. We were just together, and that meant something. Ironically, Kelly and I, prior to any of this, for several years, had been hosting a Wednesday night study that we called Nahamu Ami. Because we read Isaiah 40 and it said, comfort, comfort my people, comfort Israel. And so this was an, uh, a prayer group for Israel that was called Nachamu Ami. <clears throat> we had no idea at that time in our lives what even Shabbat Nachamu was. We didn't know that. We just liked the verse, Nachamu Ami. But you know what? Now we were experiencing and knew something that there were a lot of people here in need of God's comfort in a way that we had not seen coming. So, Nahamu Ami seemed like, you know, we had no, also, we didn't know what Shabbat Nahamu was. We didn't know we had left the former synagogue on Shabbat Nahamu. Is that coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think God really works too much in the irony coincidence world. But nevertheless, this new community was birthed out of God saying, no, I'm not fixing this. I'm not fixing that. And it eventually became Nahamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. We took the name of our study, not knowing, of course, that Nahamu would become very personal. But, you know, I can say, God had something he wanted done. I can look back and say that. But for one thing, I've learned to know that no is an answer. And that when God gives an answer that's no, it's a pretty good thing to listen to. Because he's doing it not to spite you, not to harm you, not because he doesn't love you, but because he wants you to do something probably that's different. And you might not do it if you didn't get no. But you might have to figure that out. You won't know for a while why he told you no. You got to look back sometimes and see what he was doing. Anyone ever been there? I bet you have. Jake and Elwood. We couldn't party with the Blues Brothers and really be an authentic thing. So we had to find another place. We, we brought the Blues Brothers with us, though, for the first four years. They stood at the... No, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. You know, we needed a place, but the wandering Jew thing is not fun. Been there, done that. So my dad called up Mac Goddard, the pastor of Grace Christian Fellowship, explained the situation and asked him, can we meet at your church? Okay. This building, formerly known as Grace Christian Fellowship, and Mac Goddard was the pastor. So my dad called, but before I, before I tell you that, I want to show you, told you God wasn't in the irony coincidence business. Let me tell you something else, because that time in 2009 wasn't the first time that my dad had asked if he could use this building. Because back in 2000, my mom and dad had this crazy idea that Macon could really benefit from understanding the Jewish roots of Christianity. 
They had this crazy idea that Jews who wanted to know Yeshua should have a place to come and learn about Yeshua and still maintain their Jewish identity. They had this ridiculous idea that Messianic Judaism could be something that thrived in middle Georgia. <laughs> Silly. So what's the logical thing to do? Well, call a pastor who leads a church called Grace Christian Fellowship, who does not have any use for anything Torah-related, honestly probably feels the law as we see it has been done away with, Mac is an avowed Calvinist. It's like, you know, call him. Call him. Ask if you could use the building to promote following the law as Torah believers in Jesus. He'd probably be right on board with that, right? Makes sense. And that was Mac. Theologically, Mac and Messianic Judaism are as far from one another, literally 180 degrees. Mac loves Jesus. He's taught thousands of people to love Jesus through the years. And Jesus, according to Mac, is what you need to know. Law, Torah, Old Testament, festivals. Those didn't get a lot of play in Mac's sermons. I'm certain of that. Okay? So you might guess my dad has the bright idea to call Mac Goddard and ask him about that. You might guess what his answer was in that 2000 question when he asked that, when my mom and dad approached him about hosting the, the Messianic Jewish service at his church. You can guess his response. Richard, Jane, listen, I love you guys. I love the Jewish people. I love Jesus. He was Jewish. Of course you can host that service here, Mac said. Why? Because Mac has an incredible gifting. He puts people above theology. He loves people more than he loves dogma or the idea that what you believe determines whether or not I can be your friend. And so though he had nothing in common theologically, he said, these doors are open to you. And in 2000, in this sanctuary, was the first service of a messianic community in Macon, Georgia. There were 200 people that came in that night to celebrate uh, and understand the Jewish roots thing. Paul Cave was here. I think Paul might be the only one outside of us in this room who were there in 2000. I mean, my parents and Kelly and me. But what's so interesting now, get this timeline. I think Kelly and I sat right here. The room was packed. We sat right there because we didn't want anything to do with it. My dad was like, I'm doing this Messianic Jewish thing. We were at the Baptist church. I was playing guitar. We had friends. We went and had Wednesday night dinner and saw Wednesday night service at the Baptist church. My dad said, you guys should come. My mom's like, come on, Damien. Jewish guilt. Come on, Damien. Come on. Come on. So we sat right there, and I think as soon as it was over, we were out. But three years later, that materialized. It, it, it was once a month they met. And then it started moving into once a week at a strip mall over here on West some road. And, and a rabbi drove down from Atlanta and they built this congregation. And eventually there were a lot of people there. And eventually they brought in another rabbi. And unfortunately it was, it, it, ultimately that led to 
our departure was a real, real different way of seeing how the people of God should interact with that rabbi. It's been reconciled to a degree. It's good now. It's okay. But it was very bad. But anyway, this guy, I'll never forget him, was the one who said, come on, man, you're Jewish. Come back. Be a part of the Messianic Synagogue. I was like, I don't want to. He goes, you can play guitar. I said, I'm in. (laughs) I'm in. So he made me the worship leader at this synagogue, and that's where we were. And that place, that place started right there. The one that we walked out the door sobbing, brokenhearted nine years later started right here. My mom and dad started it. And so 2009, we've come and gone from what was, what was our family's community. It wasn't ours. It was just that it had such, such attached heartstrings. My dad, 2009 now, is coming back to Matt Goddard and saying, hey, guess what? We, we're looking for a place. Is there any way that we could meet? And I don't have to tell you what Matt's answer was. It was exactly the same. I love you. I love the Jewish people. I love Jesus. Of course, you can come here. And 2009, 10-ish, I don't remember when, we did. We are back at Grace Christian Fellowship, now officially with this synagogue called Nahamu Ami Messianic Fellowship. And we got started, man. And it was perfect. And then everything went to hell. In a handbasket. You have to say that because it's more polite when you put it that way. (laughs) You see, here's why. We were a congregation of wounded people. We had one common element. Someone had hurt us, and we were all in it because we were a wounded group of people. A union forged in pain and heartbreak is not enough to weather the storms of life. I want to give you that secret. We had fights here. We had problems. People left. The people came that we didn't want to come. Um, we, we built a structure, appointed elders and labored again to strengthen Messianic Judaism in Macon, Georgia. I mean, that's what my parents had done. They planted it. They replanted it. They did it again, which is sort of ridiculous. When you get hurt that bad, you run right back into the fire. But they did it again, and they planted it. And we had these structure systems, elders, all this stuff. And they, you know, that's their gift, plant, inspire. But they're not stupid enough to lead it. <laughs> So I stepped up (laughs) to do that. And Kelly, my beautiful bride, my Eshet Chayel, who was still reeling from the horrendous pain she had suffered when leaving the other place, losing all her friends and worse, said to me, we talked about it, you know, because I would talk to her about that. I wouldn't make any decision. She, I remember it, I'll never forget, she sitting on the couch having that conversation. I think I'm, I think, God's leading me to, to step into this role. And she looked at me with those beautiful brown eyes and said, Are you out of your skull? What is the matter with you? Why would you do that? Because hurt makes us not want to get hurt again. And it was a good question. I didn't know the answer. Unlike God saying no without saying no, I said, no, I don't know, but I I think this is what we should do. 
And she went with me and still is with me and with you being a leader today. But believe me, I had questions for God. Am I crazy? Am I literally crazy? Can you make me ready to do this, God? Can you give me the answers I need to do this? God, can you take away this massive amount of fear and anxiety that I feel about doing this? Can you do that for me? I heard nothing, but the answer was being said, no, I can't. Well, I could, but I won't. So, no. See, here's another thing about God saying no. A lot of times it's much bigger than you. I know that hurts. But a lot of times when he says no, it's much bigger than you. It's about the people that you'll get to affect, to empower, to change, to love. Remember, when he said, no, Moses, you're not going in. You're not going in, Moses. Here's what he said next. Go up to the top of the mountain, raise your eyes, look all around, for you're not going to cross over. It's almost like he's taunting him. And then he says, and by the way, commission Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across leading his people, and he will give to them as an inheritance the land which you will see. No, Moses, you're not going in. The answer is no. And by the way, make him where he can go in and, and you know, just be a subservient person. That's not very easy. God was saying to me back then, I could, but I won't. I want you to do something. I want you to take what your parents got going. I want you to affect more people. And the answer was no for me, for others, for our good. But I couldn't hear that. Now I do. But then the thing is, the fear of failure is paralyzing. The fear of looking stupid, of not being good enough to do something. All that fear was screaming over the gentle voice of God, answering those prayers with a gentle no. I want you to do something else. I want you to, I want you to do it. I just need you to trust me. But despite the fear, we got started. Anyone ever been there? I'm sure you have. Nachamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. So we worked through, I'll teach you a Hebrew word, Mishigas. Not Michigan, Mishigas. It means absolute insanity, craziness. Crazy. So we worked through a lot of the Mishigas of the early days and learning along the way. A lot of really valuable lessons that if God had just told me those things, I wouldn't have really gotten them. Because another thing, you got to live through crap sometimes. You just have to. Anyone have kids? <laughs> How many times I just sent a teenager... In my mind, incredibly immature, she's not, but in my mind, she is. How many times do you say, listen, don't do that. Don't do, don't do that. I want to give you some good advice. This is what you should do. And what do they do? I got news for you. You are God's children. And he does the same thing to you. And you know what we do? Hey, thanks for the advice. Let me check this out. But along the way, you learn some really valuable things. And so sometimes God will not tell you no, even when you're not listening. He'll let you go off because he needs you to learn something that way. Anyone ever learned a lesson the hard way from God? I'm sure you have. 
But the great thing about God is even if you make a mistake, if, a mistake, if you're generally headed in the right direction, he has a pretty good way of keeping you on course. Even if you head out in the really wrong direction, he has a great way of helping you to get back on course. But Nechamu Ami, as I look around this room, of course, Jane and Richard Eisner, Kelly and Damian Eisner, Roger and Debbie Adkins, Sam and Faye Trailer, Dave and Melanie Hazen, Paul Cave. That's, I think that's about it. From, from who's, Doug, who? Doug and, Doug. Well, Sheila was somewhere else at the time. <laughs> Doug. You know, early on. But by 2017, 18, you won't believe this. I mean, we, we, we had it going 2017, 18. It was obvious that people really weren't comfortable. And for Kelly and me, we still had a lot of questions. The heads, Ray and Leslie head. They're on my list, and I skipped over them. Sorry, Ray. We had all these questions like, why aren't people, why isn't this working right? God's not answering our prayers again. We had, we had just completed this beautiful synagogue remodel. And oh yeah, Matt Goddard, I told you he wasn't finished with the story yet, because in 2015, Matt Goddard, our beloved Calvinist Torah not liking friend came to us as a community and said, hey, guess what? We really do love the Jewish people. I really meant that. We'd like to give you this building and the 26 acres behind it and let you raise up a community in it. Matt Goddard. He's my mentor. He's my friend, not just because he gave us this. He taught me how to love people. He taught me how to not judge people because they think differently than I do. But he did that. He gave that community grace, gave us. We've been immeasurably blessed. So we had done this remodel and we're thinking we're hearing from God and leading where we need to lead. And still it seems like, man, God, you're not hearing our prayers. It seems like dead. It's a much older demographic. No kids, no young families. I just want you to think back about 25 minutes ago. No kids, no young families, no one likes the traditional prayers, God. And people keep saying it's, this place is too Jewish. That was a recurring complaint that came along. And then we had sort of this like second exodus of a lot of people who had been here a long time. They just said, eh, it's, it's too Jewish. Still seemed like we were missing the mark. And ten years in, it still didn't seem like this is what we needed it to be, what we, what we envisioned. God, can you fix this, please, God? I ask that question a lot of times. God, come on, we've shown ourselves to be trustworthy in leadership. We've committed ourselves to it. We, we've stepped out. we stepped through. We've even stepped in some stuff. And, you know, seems like we're really hearing, but you're not hearing. Show us. Talk to us. Can you show us the plan? Tell us where to go. Make the synagogue what we want it to be. Now, listen, that's a real question that a lot of us ask a lot of times. We really feel like we're doing the thing that God wants us to do. And we're leading in that direction. We're walking in that direction. We're asking the questions. We want God to do things because we feel like it's a good thing to do. We're asking from a good place. God, I'm doing this for you. 
Please make it what I want it to be. It's like Moses, God, I've done everything you asked. Please let me into the land. To be told no to that prayer request, it doesn't seem right. How many of you have ever been told no when you just knew you were doing the right thing? You knew God had told you to do this, and yet it's not going right. And he's silent. Heavens are brass, so to speak. But God didn't actually tell us no that time. He didn't say yes. He didn't say, I'm going to fix it for you. He didn't show us his cards. He didn't show up in a cloud, in a fire, in an earthquake, or even a still small voice. Unless, unless another human being talking to you could possibly be God's still small voice sometimes. Think about that, though. How many times have you been waiting for a dramatic answer from God? Some awesome confirmation, some sign, some fleece, something. God, show it to me. Show it to me. Come on. I want, I want to give me a vision. Give me a dream. And all you got was a friend or a family member or even some constructive criticism from somebody you don't even like. And that's the voice God used to communicate with you. You ever had that happen? I bet you have. This time showed up in a friend with some experience and he said something so simple, not in these exact words, but he asked this question, who are you really serving? Your desires, what you want, or what's really needed? Are you really going to do what God asked you to do? And so interestingly, this was so well-timed. By this letter I received this week, actually it was sent to Kelly Eisner from the United States Post Office. By this letter, I can tell you where God began to tell us not no, but gentle directions into another area. Gentle leading. This is to Kelly Eisner or business owner or Machemi Amu Synagogue. <laughs> Machemi Amu Synagogue. We were in Macon, Georgia, trying to provide like teaching and comfort and community, a home for so many people who were searching, and no one, including the United States Post Office, could pronounce it. Most of our people couldn't pronounce Nahamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. And so all of our idea of being this thing and being this Jewish like synagogue, man, Jews. <laughs> Jews. It's for Jews. Come on in. Be Jewish. Learn it. Nahamuami. My friend is like, what the Gehenna does that even? Like, what is that? How does that work where you live? And Kelly and I are like looking at each other going, I don't know. <laughs> and from that small seed, Shalom Macon was born. You see, God has said no for a long time, but it was all 
It was all a course leading somewhere, somewhere amazing. How many of you have ever heard no for a long, long time, only to look back and marvel at the goodness of God in the no's that led to yes? I'm sure you have. And next week, yes, this is not a no, yes, it takes two weeks to tell this story. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Next week, as we are here and we're celebrating this, our 13th year of existence and all the lessons learned and looking with expectations at what we have ahead of us, I want to finish the story with some vision of Shalom Macon and God telling us some things. Because a lot of what we talked about today was me and us and my parents and my family and people that, you know, you don't even know. But a lot of you don't know those things. You don't understand the history of how this came to be and how much is invested and how special it is that you're a part of it and what it really means. So I, I, I want to show you that. I wanted to show you the no's as we're continuing to take these steps toward yes. So I want, I want you to come back and listen. On uh, This is Shabbat Nachamu. So next year, next week, it's about you more. It's about us. Us. As a current community of disciples of Yeshua who love one another. Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. Those who sow in peace will reap in peace, James says, which is the verse of our community, Shalom Macon. And I want to inspire you next week. Just not, I won't talk this long, I promise, but I want to inspire you for an outstanding future that I believe is coming. And believe it or not, sometimes God does say yes when I ask him. So, Shabbat Shalom. I'll see you next week.